back, everybody, to The Basement Binge. My name is Harrison. If you're new here, welcome. If this is your first episode. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Where this review is Oblivion. Uh, a personal favorite movie of mine. Um, yeah. Before we jump into the review, I just wanted to announce what it was. Just to kind of give you some updates. If you listened to the last episode, Mulan, there was a big update about all the changes. Um, and if you're a repeat listener... Why I'm the only one recording the episodes now. What the heck happened to Caden Kellum? Don't worry, we're still friends. If you're interested in that, you can go download the Mulan episode and just kind of listen to the first few minutes of it. Um, and if you did listen to that episode and you're returning, I talked about how there was episodes that the three of us record together we would be releasing, blah, 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 and all these plans I had. And, of course, things happening at the box office and the movie theaters are changing very rapidly and consistently, and sometimes you count on things and then they change, you know, for our own safety and probably for people you know, the big wigs to make their money. Um, so it's changed a lot of my plans drastically, and I've had to adjust a lot of things. And at the same time, in editing those episodes with Caden Kelton, I felt really locked down, um, and like I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. Um, maybe that's selfish. But here I am doing what I wanted to do and reviewing one of my favorite movies that is often not very positively talked about, which is sad to me. Anyway, Oblivion. Let's get into the actual movie. So first... A few quick details about it. Oblivion is a 2013 movie um, directed by Joseph Kosinski. Probably mispronounced his name, but he's also the director of Tron Legacy. And if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know I love that movie and I love him as a director. Um, yeah, up there in my top three favorite directors. Love him. So it stars Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman, and but it was originally kind of presented by Joseph Kosinski as a, as a graphic novel, as a book. It was supposed to be released with the movie. I've searched for it. It does not exist. Um, he mainly wrote that as a way to pitch the movie. And yeah, we'll, we'll get into all those things earlier. Just wanted to give you a... Okay, wow. I'm like scattered brain. Let's get into the first segment here. Two cents. This is our spoiler-free gut reaction, knee-jerk reaction, as I say, to the movie. Um, it used to be kept at two minutes to keep it quick and consistent. I'll try my best to keep it under two minutes. If not, whatever. It's my two cents. I'm the only one here. I'm in control. Let's get going. Okay, and all this is spoiler-free. If you have not seen this movie, um, don't spoil it for yourself. I'll let you know when the spoilers will be coming. Um, but for the two cents, which we're about to jump into, this is spoiler-free. So here we go. So I love this movie, as you already know. I love Tom Cruise. I love Joseph Kosinski. I love movies that have really great visual style, great production design. Um, and I'm not just talking like CGI. I'm talking just like the way the movie looks. I don't know. There's something about it that I really, really love. Um, so I originally saw this movie on a VFX artist react from Quarter Crew. Um, they talked about it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to see this movie. It looks amazing. I love Tom Cruise. And it kind of fits my weird niche desire for things that look great. And then I found out it was dire directed by Joseph Kosinski. And I was like, I've got to see this movie. It was on sale. I went and bought the Blu-ray and I watched it and I was blown away. This is my third time watching it since owning the Blu-ray. Um, I don't know. There's something about just like sci-fi and production design that I'm just a sucker for. And, you know, like Tron Legacy, which I love, I get the same vibes from. So it's great in that way. Um, the visuals, the sound, set production, style, the world building, twist endings, Morgan Freeman being a total boss, um, action, cinematography being top-notch. It's just fun to watch. I have a great time. I totally enjoy myself to, like, the utmost degree when I'm watching this movie. Um, I I'm just having fun. That Like, other things that I see people tend to complain about, I don't even notice because the amount of fun I'm having is just so top-notch. And that's what makes a movie good for me is my experience in watching it. 
and and I think all those things in this movie that are great, they they excel so much, and I love them so much in my own personal taste that those other things that people complain about, I don't even notice. Um, and also, as I wrote my initial letterbox review, like I knew that this was a movie I would revisit, and that each time I revisited, I would learn more about it. Um, and that is definitely true. I have I've learned more about myself. You know, the emotions or the the theme, if you will. I knew I would discover more of it. in my uh, original letterbox review. Um, if I can get that pulled up here at the very, very end, I talked about how, you know, like Tron legacy, I'm going over two minutes here, but Tron legacy, I talked about how I fell in love with it and I treat it as like a perfect movie because I watch it so many times, at least once a year. And in seeing it, I see the great like visuals of it and the cool story and world. And then there's like deep emotion that I pull from it. And that wasn't something that was there initially, but has only come with repeat viewings that it earned from me because of all you know, the, the visual surface level stuff. And I said, you know, this time viewing Oblivion, Oblivion, all I saw was that surface level stuff. And it was great. Like, that's not a bad thing. And I loved it. And I knew because of that, I would come back. And I know I was in t- and great anticipation of what I learned. And that happened this time. And I was so excited about that. Um, so that's been incredible. Um, the other thing I just want to talk about super, super quick is how incredible the score is okay so when i'm watching a movie i keep notes and i just write down something simple i just write the score whenever there's a moment in the film where the score touches me either through the the film tool that it is to affect and 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 influence my emotion and my reaction to things which is a score is supposed to do on top of it just sounding great and something that i want to add to my spotify playlist if you don't know those involved in the score of this movie um, I want to get everybody for sure, but it is M83. If you're unfamiliar with M83, they did the song Midnight City. Which is featured in one of my, another favorite movie that maybe I'll get to eventually. Um, in addition to Anthony Gonzalez and Joseph Trapanese, I love Joseph Trapanese's composer. So the score is incredible. You know, again, same vibes as Trom Legacy. The score in this movie earned itself a total of 15 mentions in my notes. 15 throughout the movie. More than anything else, just like, oh my gosh, the score, the score, the score is incredible. Love to enjoy it. The sound design is incredible. But we'll get into those things more in bench points. Anyway, that was the end of Two Cents. It's a great movie that is, you know, if you're going into this movie expecting incredible emotions, a great drama, which Letterboxd seems to be obsessed with. Okay. Okay. Two cents. I, I recommend this movie because it fits the style that I enjoy and I have no problems with the other things that people say it tends to lack because I'm not watching it for that reason. I'm watching it for all these other things and I, and I love it. There's a reason that I like to watch the Transformer movies. Like That's not a movie that's going to win any Oscars for its performance or for its story or for its writing, but there's a reason that I enjoy it and I enjoy them intentionally and I'm totally able to love it for that reason. So yes, if this sounds like something you like, I, I totally recommend it. Just expect the right thing going in. So anyway, on to Pick Your Poison, which is our personal rating scale here at the Basement Binge. If you can't tell already, I'm going to rate it. But um, Pick Your Poison, we get four options. Never watch again. Very, very simple. Above that is stream. If it was on a streaming service you're already subscribed to, you know, there's no additional cost and you were just looking for something to fill your time and watch, you'd watch it. Above that is rent. You'd be willing to pay a few bucks when you're in the mood to watch it. And then at the top of the list is to buy full price, watch it as many times as you want. If it's not already obvious, this is a total buy for me. I know I'm going to rewatch it many times. I already have since buying it. 
Um, and it's just really up my alley of the things that I love and from one of my favorite directors who I think is extremely underrated. Um, so that's my pick Poison. This section doesn't really fit into anything else what I want to talk about, so I'm just going to throw it in here because it kind of fits. I did something stupid this time. Whenever I review a movie, I do not go on Letterboxd or IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or any rating source or site until after I record the podcast because I don't want other people's influ- or opinions and thoughts about it to influence my own, and I don't want to have a defensive approach to what I record. I have a really defensive personality. And when I love something and care about it and someone says something negative, I feel a need to defend it and like prove them wrong, which is really bad and really stupid. And no one wants to listen to that. And I don't want to record that because I have so many positive things to say, but I just don't want to sound dumb. And I was dumb. And in my wait period before watching and recording this episode, I went on Letterboxd and People, I don't want to say they said bad things about it, but they didn't have good things to say about it. And then, like, it really hurt my feelings. And I felt like I had to justify to myself over and over, like, that it's okay for me to like this. And so, for my own sanity, I just want to talk about why I love this and, like, why I disagree with those things I commonly read on Letterboxd. And this isn't targeted at a specific reviewer, but just kind of the general consensus that I saw. And it felt like everyone was just writing the same review over and over again. Like, it was uncool and taboo to like this movie. And one of the biggest complaints was the story and the emotion, or almost like the pacing. Um, talked about the writing and how the writing was really bad, how the pacing was all over the place, how people weren't interested because they weren't emotionally connected to the characters, how they got up and walked away. They had to break it up into multiple viewings because it was so boring for them. And I was just like, what? Are you kidding? Like, first off, what the heck is pacing? Like, I know I've brought that up before, and there's movies where you can, like, tell that pacing is a positive thing, like The Dark Knight, for example. Like, you watch that movie, you're like, oh my gosh, the pacing of this is incredible. Even if you don't have a way to just... Even if you don't have a way to explain what pacing is, you feel that that movie has good pacing. At least in my opinion. And I don't really know how to respond to that because I don't know what people mean when they talk about pacing. Like, the speed at which the movie progresses or progresses in different moments. Like, none of that bothers me. Like, I wouldn't really call this an action movie. I would call it a sci-fi movie with action moments in it. And so it's not rushing from action sequence to action sequence. The action sequences aren't drawn out. When they do happen, they're great. But like most of the time is dealt with the characters and like their discovery of themselves and this world they're in, which is so cool because this world is really cool. I like the world building. I like what these characters are involved in. And so like I feel for their emotion because I want to discover those things even on repeat watchings. And again, I already mentioned that one of the biggest complaints was emotion. And I feel like there's some strange obsession with emotion and how like a movie is bad because it doesn't have emotion. And I'm getting off on a tangent here, but like I saw the same thing with Tenet, like people complaining that Christopher Nolan isn't good at emotion and like the only emotional depth he can add to a character is a woman with a son and caring for her son. And therefore that bad emotion leads to bad writing. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of see what you're saying, but like, I'm also not there with you. Because first off, I understand the emotion a lot more. Maybe it's just like me liking everything else more. I'm like, oh yeah, the emotion's good. But at the same time, like, I'm not watching this movie for a drama. And I'm not watching these movies for like incredible acting performances that are going to be so emotionally moving. And it seems like everybody wants that. Everybody wants emotional drama from their films, from what I interpret. And I'm like, what? That's just not what I want. I, not just because 
I'm trying to defend this movie, but like, I don't want all my movies to be like that. And, and maybe I'm, maybe the joke's on me here. I just want to say like, to defend myself, I think it's okay to enjoy this movie. One, because I feel the emotion is there. I felt for these characters. I was invested in their growth and their outcome, especially Vikas, actually, this time, when the first time was like, I hate you, but I, I really was there. I was really invested and really, really involved, but at the same time, kind of back on the idea of like tenant, like you, I feel like people need to understand that the purpose of what is the filmmakers trying to make. And at the same time, we should encourage our filmmakers to make things that do have emotion and do emotionally cut ties to these characters because that's what story is. And story, which is like the foundation of film, is an emotional connection to the progression and arc of a character or the world in which they live in. Like those are the reasons we carry stories with us throughout our lives and through history is because of the emotion that those that individual or that story or that outcome has on us and that's why we carry it with us. And, you know, film at its, its most basic is story. And I love this story. And I, I don't want to get into spoilers now because the spoiler hasn't dropped. I will in a moment. But I just feel like Joseph Kosinski is putting in incredible work. He's an incredible, talented filmmaker who knows how to tell stories visually. And I think that, of course, he would, like, fly to the top of everybody's list if he was given, like, a strong script that is really critically received positively because this movie isn't a critical hit um just because i feel like people critics if i will kind of have this idea that i don't know i'm gonna off tangent here it's, this is way too long i just want to say like this is a type of movie that i enjoy in its own right and i don't expect it to be something that it's not and i enjoy it for what it is um but at the same time I totally disagree. I think the pacing's great. I think the story's great. I think the writing, like the writing never stood out to me as bad. Like I was enjoying it the whole time and maybe I just have blinders on, but I felt the emotion and I was invested in these characters. So that's my little tangent to defend myself, maybe to help you feel the same way as well. But either way, that's what I'm feeling right now. And hopefully I'm standing, sitting close enough to this microphone. I think it was too far away that whole time. Either way, that's the end of the spoiler wall. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you guys being here, especially if you're new. If you are, subscribe appreciate it anyway the podcast is not over we're still going i just want to let you know if you haven't seen this film spoilers are coming don't let me ruin it for you so on to the next segment and again full spoilers coming so the next segment is binge points so this is you know easter eggs details things we notice about the film that don't have any extreme warrant on things but just little details i want to point out um and a lot of that goes into my love for Joseph Kosinski and everybody involved in like the behind the scenes, the making of this film. So I'll talk about that afterwards. At first, I just want to talk about the things in the film that I love, the little details. Um, first off, when the movie starts, you get the Universal logo, you know, over the globe, and there's a lot of details in there. The Tet is in there. That's like the first thing you see. The Odyssey is in orbit. The Universal logo is like broken and tattered and worn out, and so is the Earth. And you can like see like the plate shifting and the oceans receding. It's great. It's really really cool detail. The other thing, this is in the year twenty seven seven, Cyberpunk. There we go. That was sweet. Um, other cool details that I love about the filmmakers is is Tom Cruise, the character of Jack, wears a white suit, and it's dirty and grimy. Like it's not perfectly white. You can tell that this is this is a character who's been doing this for a while. He's not brand new out of the box for the story. Like this is, this is a lived in individual 
And I, I, I noticed that and I liked it. Not just with the, the costume he was wearing, but in the other things like I talked about earlier. Um, the other thing is the technology in this is so cool. And in addition to how this affects the story, like there's just enough tech that's realistic that you could believe that like this is developments that humans have re- reached by 2077. And, you know, later at the end of the story, we know, oh, that's not the case. But like there's a lot of futuristic of it, but like just enough real reality that you can believe it. Um, I also love how, you know, kind of the spoiler things um, is the staircase in their little apartment thing is a double helix, which is DNA, which has to do with like cloning, which is super cool. Small detail. The other thing I like is how in the two different locations with Agent Tech 49 and Tech 52, like their apartments, the furniture and layout is different. Like the picture of him and Vic are in different locations. The furniture is a different color and different layouts. It's like maybe there's some like social experiment to see like, oh, if we put the furniture here, which one's going to last longer? I just think it's kind of funny. Um, The other thing, at the beginning of the movie, Tom Cruise talking about football and the sound design behind it, like, gives me chills every time. I'm not a sports person. I'm not, like, I enjoy sports, but, like, I'm not an avid sports watcher. I never do it on my own, only when invited. But Tom Cruise talking about football gives me chills. I I love it. Um, There's another great moment. There's an impossible camera shot. I I I think it's so great where Tom Cruise is walking up to the glass and we see his reflection like where the heck is the camera so cool i I don't know but i think it's great um you get the other great details like tom cruise doing his own stunts including getting launched by an explosion i mean how many times has that happened um the sound design is incredible again hinting at like the future technology humans don't make the type of sounds that the drones do and the sound design is incredible um other great details that i love and this is more getting into the story is i love how so the relationship between Jack, played by Tom Cruise, and then Vic, I'm sorry, I don't know the actress, um, that he refers to Vic as his communications officer. Like, that's just so hinting of the emotional state that he's in. Um, I also love that you, you really, I'll get more into this to fall in, but initially when Jack starts to express his wonder or his confusion or his, his desire for exploration about things, Vic just responds by being, like, sexual and, like, taking him away from that wandering, like almost like distracting him, like keeping him from discovering things. Anyway, get into that more and fall in. I just love that. Like that's her response. I think it's great character building. Um, I like how both Vicks, the two of them, they're totally the same. Like it's interesting. Anyway, more and fall in. The other thing, I totally hate Sally. She's a jerk. Nobody likes her. Um, And then this is the other funny thing. Another Tom Cruise movie that I love that's actually kind of similar to this is Edge of Tomorrow. And I love that you get the same like Tom Cruise camera zooming up on him as he's emotional with somebody loves ending. I don't know. I just, it gets me every time. I just love it. I thought it was funny how both in Edge of Tomorrow and this. Anyway, on to the behind the thing, whoa, whoa, behind the scenes details that I totally love. So, I talked about at the beginning that this was actually a graphic novel, graphic novel written by Joseph Kosinski to pitch the movie. Well, apparently Tom Cruise found out about this novel, read it or saw it, whatever, somehow got access to it, and he went and approached Joseph to make the movie. Like he, Tom was involved in it, which I think is great because he hadn't been involved in the sci-fi in a long time since Minority Report and War of the Worlds, and like this is something that got him back into it. And you can tell in watching the movie that Tom is having the time of his life. And I am having the time of my life watching that. 
I really, really love Tom Cruise in this movie. It's just in general, but in this movie especially, like, you can tell that he is enjoying himself. Um, sadly, can't say the same thing for Vic as actress, but I can tell that Tom did. So other sweet details is um, obviously directed by Joseph Kosinski, and the cinematography is Claudia Mirando, um, who's an Oscar winner for Life of Pi. But they worked on Tron Legacy together, and they really did not like the blue screens that were used in Tron Legacy. So that what they did, if you've seen that movie, the they wanted to use real glass mirrors and shiny surfaces to get the glass tower set. So they built an actual set, and the sky footage was projected from 500 by 45 feet. So 500 feet by 45 feet screens. So it was like 21 monitors they had. Um, they filmed for three weeks on the summit of some volcano in Hawaii. Um, and the windows and rooms were lit by those projections from those screens I mentioned. Um, and it took 10 technicians, like weeks, um, to figure all this out to get the floor supported. Um, anyway, it's just an amazing set. And you can tell when watching it that that set is real. And it, it gives you this reality that is so great. Um, and Tom Cruise even declared that it, it was one of his all-time favorites as to film one. And understandably so. And watching it, it looks phenomenal. They did an incredible job. And that's, again, one of the things that I love about it is a great production design. Um, let's see. Let me look, I'm just looking through my other details here. Okay, this is, this is something that I'm just totally ripping off IMDb, but I thought it was so cool I couldn't leave this out. Um, the painting on the wall showing a woman in a wheat field is titled Christina's World and was painted by the American artist Andrew Weth in 1948. The woman is based upon a real person who had been partially paralyzed due to polio. Weth was inspired to create this art when he saw her crawling across the field. As humanity has been crippled yet is striving for fulfillment, this is appropriate. Also considering Victoria's self-imposed crippling and her fixation on the TED, this provides another inter interpretation. We'll get into that more in following, but I just thought that was such a cool detail. And you can, you can tell that everyone involved in this was involved in the details, and it's great. Um, and so Jack, played by Tom Cruise, is Tech 49. He was 49 when the movie was filming. He actually had his 50th birthday, um, and Joseph Kaczynski gave him the bike that he rides as a gift. Um, and so he's 49, the same number as Tom Cruise during filming. Um, and then the tech at the end is tech 52, which happens, th which is three years, which is when the film would be released. So when filming, he was 49. Three years later, it was released when he was 52, which I think is interesting. Um, kind of cool with the text being that. Anyway, Tom Cruise is old. I did not realize that. Um, yeah, so those are great things. Binge points. This movie's full of details. If you aren't like this movie, just go to IMDb and look at the trivia and just read through them all. I found them all fascinating. Um, really cool. You can just tell that the people involved in this loved the project and they were involved in the details and making it something great, especially visually to enjoy. Um, the, I, I forgot to mention this, the costume designers. Oh, we'll get into this. In the next segment, least and likes, okay, talking about our least favorite thing and our favorite scene. Um, least favorite, I'm sorry. I like comp out here. I really don't have one. And I knew that this segment would be coming up on the podcast. And I, like I said, I've seen this movie multiple times before. I could not find a moment where I was not enjoying it. But there are so many things I love about it, so I'm just going to spend the time talking about all the things I love. Joseph Kaczynski really understands how to tell a visual story. We already talked about the incredible work that went into the reality of the visuals, and that pays off. 
but also just like visual language. And like I said earlier, I think he would excel as, as like everyone would love him if he was given a script that was critically received. A story, if I will, to get back to what I said earlier. Not saying that he needs it because I love these stories and I think he does an incredible job, but I'm just saying the general consensus is that these movies that aren't necessarily great critically kind of leaves him under the radar. And if he was given a story and a script that was received incredibly well critically, people would love him because of the talent he has in telling things visually and his dedication to that. And here's a few moments. First off, at the beginning of the movie, there isn't a single logo about anything like UN, the American flag, any type of country, anything to denote anything about our existing world we understand. And at first we could think like, oh, this is 2077, the world's totally changed. It's, but no, it's just nothing but the Tet. The Tet logo is everywhere. And understanding the movie, it pays off. And that's not something that's ever pointed out except for with the camera and the visuals. And I love that. It's great. Um, I already talked about the technology, like a balance between futuristic and realistic, just enough to make us believable. You could talk about the other things that, you know, like seeing the world destroyed and, and just like observing visually, understanding how they work. Um, and in response to that, I've seen some people complain like, oh, well, you get Tom Cruise doing the narration at the beginning and you also get it like near the end, which is just kind of like weird that it's on and off. And then you also get him re-explaining the same things to Julia when they rescue her that he did in the beginning. and like. First off, I don't have a problem with that because I love Tom Cruise's narration. And I love that it's over just like incredible visuals. At the same time, it's kind of a complex story. I feel like people maybe needed it twice to understand it. But maybe that's just like, maybe that's my least favorite is like the lack of trust they had in us to understand it. Because it'd be cool if at the beginning, okay, this, this will be my least favorite. It'd be sweet at the beginning. It just gave you those incredible visuals. Like, just really, really great visuals of the moon being exploded, the world looking the way it does, like Tom Cruise doing his thing, and then when he saves Jules, he explains to her what's going on. Like, that would be a really cool twist. I think that's maybe something that would make people like it a lot more. But I don't want to say that's my least because I like Tom Cruise's narration. But as far as, like, the story mechanics show, I think maybe it could have been a little bit better to allow the visual strength that Joseph Kosinski has to stand on its own without narration overcoming it. But there's other moments where you can really see his ability to do this excels. There's a moment where Jack is shot... And he doesn't die. The bullet just like bounces off of him. And so his jacket or his vest, whatever he's wearing, is bulletproof. And there's never a moment where that's addressed or brought up. Like you just accept it as like futuristic technology that he has, that he can't die from a bullet. And like Joseph Kosinski, as the director, just like allows you to understand that without having to point it out. That's just like one of many moments that I love that I think are really, really strong. Um, other things that I really love, the cinematography in this movie shines really, really well. Like, and I'm not just talking about like long exposures or the kind of flashy cinematography that people notice, but the things that you don't really notice, but how great it excels at not being noticed, including the lighting, the exposure, the movement, colors. I mean, they had a whole on dedicated aerial unit to film that little bubble ship. And it's, it's, it pays off. And you can tell that there was a, like a diligent effort that went into the look that just went into the camera, and then the way that the camera acts is its own thing, and I love it. And there's a lot of moments where I'm like, wow, this, this is just beautiful cinematography. Um, the costume design is amazing, especially for the scavs. I love that. Um, I mean, I look at the, the IMD profiles of the production design and the art department and all the people involved in that, and it's like, okay, clearly they know what they were doing. They're involved in movies like Avatar, the James Cameron movie, Dunkirk, The Force Awakens, Kingsman, Transformers, like, say what you will about the stories or, like, the, the critical acclaim of those movies, the production and set design 
is incredible in all of those movies, including the art design, and I think it's amazing. Um, there's amazing visuals in this movie I've already talked about. There's cool transitions. Um, just a lot of things that went into like this film being visually amazing to watch, um, including incredible cra- practical effects, especially one that I want to point out. So that bubble ship that he flies was actually built. A full-size full bubble ship was created with doors that opened on their own, and Tom Cruise, who's a licensed pilot, was involved in in inputting or or involved in the process of creating controls and designing them that were realistic. Now the other thing is I don't know if it was in like the full blown bubble ship that flew or how it worked or whether it was just a bubble that I don't know. But you can tell that that bubble went through actual G forces, whether it was on like a ride, like a roller coaster, or actually being flown. But you can tell in the actors and also the environment that happens, and it's like such a small detail that honestly could go so unnoticed. But like I noticed the dedication put into that. You know, when Tom Cruise is first like electrocuted in the lightning storm and he's like falling in the free fall and like the way the straps and everything moves and like the way that Tom Cruise is reacting, you can tell that there's actual G-forces and free fall happening. Then later when him and Vic are having that like fight scene with the, the drones flying through the canyon, same thing. Then when they're hit over the, the radiation zone in the desert, you can see the G-forces acting on these characters. And you can even tell that there's like a moment where Tom Cruise looks at the actor for Jules and he says are you okay and kind of laughs and I feel like that was like a genuine reaction that Tom Cruise being the maniac that he is looking at his his fellow actor and saying like are you all right going through this incredible g-force that they are which made me extremely excited for Top Gun Maverick because it's directed again Joseph Kosinski I'm so that was probably one of the movies when I found out he directed I was like 2020 needs to come and then it was canceled so 2021 summer needs to come so I can see the movie because especially after watching this and the diligence that went into the aerial cinematography and then the cinematography involved in the bubble ship and the G-forces that they use and the realistic background and, and, and seeing the things whiz by in the, the glass, that was dedication, little details that I just loved. So that's a lot. There's so many things about this film that I love and really it just comes down to like the incredible visuals and work that went into it. Again, the story is strong on its own. I love the world and I love the story, which I'm going to get into more fall in. But the things that I love, like just adore about this movie is the work and, and, and result of the incredible visuals and the incredible sound. Um, yeah, it's amazing. So last segment, vol- Fall In. This is where we talk a little bit more about those story elements, those emotions of the characters in the story and why this story should be one, in my opinion, that sticks with us. And there's a few different things that I noticed. And I love that the film is titled Oblivion. Um, because if you look up the oblivion definition, there's two. Um, the state of being unaware or unconscious of what is happening. And then the other definition is like extinction. So like the world is definitely in like oblivion. Like it's been, it's been obliviated by the Tet and that future technology. But more importantly for Fall In is the state of being unaware or unconscious of what is happening. And Vika chooses to have oblivion. Multiple, these, these are th- things that she says. She says, our job is not to remember. Or later she says, I don't want to know. And like she yells it that she doesn't want to know. She doesn't want to discover things. She wants to stick by the rules. And at first, like I said, watching this movie the second and third time, I knew that there was going to be emotions I noticed. And, and kind of first watching, I was like, oh, this is kind of giving me the same vibes as Blade Runner 2049 
where it's about kind of like memories and the way those memories make us human and how we need to choose to remember, blah, 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 blah. And then it like quickly radically changed. And I was like, no, like, sure, there's elements that can be shared there, but I feel like this film so much more is about the connection that connects us. That was really well, good job, Harrison, the connection that connects us. Um, you know, throwing it way back to a podcast with Kate, I don't even remember which one it was, but connection is, is underrated. And I feel like that's kind of true. But going back to Vika super quick and how she doesn't want to remember, you know, there's like, there's a human frailty that we can be as afraid to discover things. We can af- be afraid to go outside our given universe and our given understanding. You know, I experience what I experience and you experience what you experience and that totally affects the way that we live our life and the way that we understand the world around us. And it's very, very difficult to want to look outside of your own understanding um, to accept the world as something that you don't want it to be or to learn that the world isn't what you, you think it is or isn't what you want it and, and to choose to live in oblivion. Very, very important topic in today's world and in today's climate, um, which I think is really interesting. And I think we can all develop and learn by being more aware of what happens outside of us and choosing to accept reality for what it actually is instead of what we want it to be. But that wasn't really the thing that stood out to me. I just wanted to address that because I thought it was very timely. The thing that really stood out to me is that connection. And, you know, there's something within ourselves, deep within us that let me just quote a line from the movie. This is from Jack, Tom Cruise. If we have souls, they are made of the love we share, undimmed by time and bound by death. And there's something within ourselves that, that scientifically I can't explain, but there's a connection I have to my family members. There's a connection I have to my wife. There's a connection that I have to my friends. Um, and you could even go a step further. Like There's a connection that I have to these characters because of the emotion that I feel for them. And that's not something that I can measure or explain besides just something that I feel, something that's affected the way I act and affected the, the way that I think and the, dis- and the course which I've chosen to take my life upon. And that isn't something that dies, to quote Interstellar. We love people who have died. Where's the social utility in that? Like there is, there is something, something powerful about why we love those that we love and and some the, there is a deeper meaning that is very important about why we feel that way we do about those we are connected with it's a powerful thing that will influence our life and our souls forever and and it's very very powerful and i think it's something that i definitely need to appreciate more but i also think everyone could stand to appreciate and how that connection deserves more respect. Um, and not just between loved ones, but between one another. Um, so I'm kind of jumping around between a few different things that stood out to me. Um, the other one that I really, really liked is about the character of Jack having to rediscover who Jack really is, even though he's a, a 49th clone of him, maybe. I don't know what, well, actually way beyond that. But, you know, th- th- there's a lot of times that we lose ourselves. We, f- we, there is something that we are you know, and, and we can get away from that. And we may not even realize it, and we may not even understand that person that we were. Those memories can feel so like a dream. Like, what is this that I was? Um, you know, there's a song by 
that that really has been on my mind a lot. It's my it's from a YouTube channel, Music by Blank Simon. Um, he releases a lot of music, and he he does these cool things where he writes songs with his Instagram followers. I don't know why I mention all these those YouTube channels, but this one in particular has been on my mind. He wrote this one. It was it was intended to be like a sad song, and one of the lyrics is like, "Who's that stranger in the mirror?" And I think and that you watch the video, and the, the intention behind it is like realizing that sometimes we get disconnected with ourselves. And I and I love this line from Morgan Freeman's character Malcolm. He says, "You were in there. We just had to find a way to bring you back." And I think that's in- incredible to understand who we are, what we've been, where we were, um, and and to understand the better versions of ourselves that sometimes we want to get back to, to take a moment to disconnect from others, to connect to ourselves, so we can better connect to others. But at the same time, there's also a responsibility to understand what we are. You know, just like just after Morgan Freeman's character says that, they turn on the drones, it gets on and he's like, that's one angry weapon or something like that. He says weapon. And Jack, Tom Cruise character says, it's just a machine. I'm the weapon. And like, there's a, there's a strong maturity that comes from understanding what we were and what's inside ourselves that we have to get back to, but also st- understanding like what we are and what that potential brings in the combination of those two things. Like, like the, the potential and the, the sacrifice that Jack makes is because of what he has become. He has become a weapon. He was forced to be a weapon by the environment acting upon him without his choice. But his choice is to get back to the person he was, which is someone who loves and cares about his family and about humankind and mankind as a whole, um, which is really, really incredible. And, you know, there's a moment that I love way earlier in the film where Jack comes back to the base where Morgan Freeman is with Jules and he points out and and Jules introduces herself as like Jules Harper and Morgan Freeman's character realizes that they are in fact married and understands why she trusted him so much um, because of that connection she had with who he is and what he can be And, and that's just like incredible in everything that it means about relationships whether that's a marriage or anything else. People are sometimes our greatest strengths in understanding who we are. And, and I just love that. Um, and I just want to talk about one last thing. Horatius, that poem that he reads and recites to Sally before he blows up. I, I just thought it was incredible. So I'm just going to read the section of it. It's an actual poem. I looked it up. Um, Let's see. Let me, let me, sorry, I'm trying to find the right spot. So this is a poem, Horatius, How Can Man Die Better? So it's just a segment of a poem. It's a super, super long poem um, about a story about Horatius, who was someone who was left. I'm going to get this all messed up, but I think it was Romans. I think it was Roman and there was an army coming against him and he was left with um, th- two other individuals, three of them total to defend a bridge and had like the rest of the army run back so that or the rest of this, the civilians or whoever run back so they could be safe. And him and those two individuals defended off this whole army on a bridge. And then at the last minute, he had the other two run across a bridge and blew it up so the huge evil army couldn't get across. And then he, refusing to surrender and die, jumps into the river because of the incredible person and the sacrifice that he made is. And I'm sorry, I've been so far away from this microphone, but. Anyway, here's a second of the poem. Then outspake brave Horatius, the captain of the gate. To every man upon this earth, death cometh sooner or late. 
And how can a man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his fathers and the temples of his gods? And for the tender mother who dandled him to rest, and for the wife who nurses his baby at her breast, and for the holy maidens who feed the eternal flame to save them from false sextus, they rot the, that rot the dead of shame. Incredible moving poem about the potential we have to give to those beyond ourselves. That connection that I talked about earlier, the only reason that the character of Jack made a sacrifice is because his shift of what he understands his God, if you will, is, and also if he understands who his fathers are. His father and his God is not the Tet. It's his family. And he lives for them. And, and how better can he live than to give his life for those who he loves and for those who he is fighting for. Um, and, I, and I think it's incredible. And I think it's a great poem to be put in there. And I love the idea of, how, you know, what Jack says, everybody dies, Sally. The thing is to die well. And what does that mean? And that doesn't mean that we have to go out in a blaze of glory, literally blowing ourselves up to save humankind, but just that there's things that we can do to better give to those we love in a less selfish way. And I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, go out there and die you know, get a life insurance policy and die so your family can have it. That's ridiculous. And that's, that's not what that connection breeds. But it's, it's an everyday choice and everyday determination to live well so that that death is well. You know, I, I don't think that dying well has to be exclusive for the actual act of dying being an act of heroism, but that your life is lived so that that death is. So your, your life is lived well in a way that that death is more meaningful beyond just the end of an existence of somebody who's taken up all the oxygen. You know, your life being well can define your death as well. And it's kind of sad to talk about that, but it's true. We all die. And I think the best way to die well is to live well, to live for those other people, to live for something so much beyond ourselves, to connect with who we are and to connect with our potential, to live for others. And I think that that whole journey is Jack understanding how he wants to live for others. And that's been on my mind a lot as well, just, you know, personally understanding myself and the, the situation I'm in with my life is, is finding a balance between who I was and who I am and who I have the potential to be. And just kind of that mixture and how I want to live my life for those that I connect with and those that I do care about. But, but also understanding things so much beyond my defined existence. It's a difficult thing to do, but I. But it's a powerful thing to do. They can in, bring about incredible things into the world. Um, and now I feel like I'm kind of jumping all over the places, and this isn't a concrete idea. So let me kind of land it here. Hopefully, I can stick the landing. Jack has to go on a journey to understand who he actually is inside, so that he can live according to who he actually is. Jack was not a drone repairman. Jack was someone who loved living and wanted to spend it with someone he cared about. And, and so he did. You know, and, and there's some people who express that they have the qualm that the Jack that comes back at the end is different than the one that has the baby with jewels. Whether that's you or not, that moment makes me emotional when he walks through the brush and he's talking about how we have souls. You know, if we have souls, where to go now? If we have souls, they are made up of the love we share, undimmed by time and bound by death. And he says, I am Jack Harper, and I am home. And take of that what you will. 
but I love that he chooses to connect with those that he loves. And that's, that's, he chooses to live so that that is possible. That was probably all over the place. Probably didn't stick the landing, but I'm confidently going to say that I was really actually impressed by how much things that have already been on my mind I drew from this movie. And of course, that happens to everybody. Things in our lives, we, we, experiences we have, we draw more meaning from those things. But at the same time, like how powerful a film that I thought wasn't going to give me much was. And again, just increased my love for it. Like Tron, I know it's one that I will visit, revisit over and over again. So, yeah. Great movie to watch. Really, really enjoyed it. I recommend it if you have not seen it. Um, if you have, maybe give it a rewatch. You know, go watch it with the right mindset and appreciate it for what it is because I think it's incredible. Um, but if you've listened this far, thank you. And you're not subscribed, please subscribe. What's the matter with you? There's more episodes coming. Um, this is going to be really interesting. There's a lot of exciting things that I'm doing, um, with episodes coming up with Patreon coming out. Um, so for the next little while, I just want to watch a bunch of movies that I've been wanting to watch. Most of them happen to be sci-fi's because that's my favorite genre. And a lot of movies I just like, haven't had the time to watch by sticking to a schedule of something else. So I kind of like threw the schedule out the window and just made a schedule of movies that I wanted to watch. Um, so there's really no rhyme or reason for these, except for they're just movies I'm excited about watching and have been on my mind, whether it's a rewatch or for the first time. So subscribe because I'm going to have a lot of fun talking about these. It's really like opened up my creative juices to like, just enjoy what I enjoy and to then get sit down in front of a microphone and like, just blurt out that enjoyment. So anyway, if you like that, please subscribe to the basement binge, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, stay tuned for the next episode. Um, yeah, reach out to us on social media, leave us reviews, all those things that really helps us out. And stay tuned for great, exciting details coming about more episodes and also Patreon. Appreciate you guys listening. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao.